Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about the Westermark effect. I'm Alexa Ray Hack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she/her pronouns. My name is Micah Silver, and I'm a child care provider, and I use they/them pronouns. Today we are talking about 2001's The Royal Tenenbaums. This is entry number two in our Wes Anderson series. Up front, we just want to say big trigger warnings for suicide and incest in this episode. We talk about both pretty explicitly, so if that's not your jam, we understand. Um, If you haven't seen this movie, you definitely should. It made me mad. It made me real mad, but but it's really good. good. (laughs) It is worth watching, even though it will make you mad. Yeah. It's supposed to make you mad, I think. Yeah, and definitely. And it does a good job. But if you if you haven't watched this movie, basically the plot is pretty simple. It's sort of Royal Tenenbaum is an abusive, neglectful father who tries to get back into the lives of his three children unsuccessfully. You can follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. If possible, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. And as always, thank you. I feel like Royal Tenenbaum is the perfect example of what not to do as a parent. Right. Like, Everything he does is wrong. Literally does everything wrong. Everything wrong. Like, my first couple notes are just, like, about how he abused all of his children individually. Right. Yeah, my first handful of notes are the exact same thing. Like, this is abuse. This is a bad idea. This is not going to go well. Like, you start off with a divorce that is clearly his fault. Right. And he's doing the thing that they tell you... Is like divorce 101 is like don't make the other parent the enemy. Right. Because it's not it's not okay for you to like poison that relationship with that parent. Also, don't blame your kids. And he clearly goes like, well, we made some sacrifices to have kids. Don't tell your children that. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. It's like he's he's doing everything from the like abuse playbook like right? he's really trying to tick all the boxes he's really getting blackout in abuse bingo he then goes and shoots his son and with a bb gun jesus christ when they're on the same team proving that you can never trust the people closest to yeah. you yeah oh my god like 101 level bullshit and then which is and like rule number one when, when you have an adopted child, don't other said child, right? And is constantly That's all he just ever reminds her is that, oh, by the way, you're, you're adopted. adopted, you're not really my kid, you'll never really be one of us. Which, like, Jesus, fuck. And then you put all of this pressure on your third kid to perform at peak constantly, right. And then all of the kids, like every single one of them, turns out to be like a weird fucked up adult because they have this like terrible childhood. Yeah. That, or or a childhood that was largely stolen from them. Like, yeah. again, this gets back to Wes Anderson's thing about like one way or another, like being forced to be tiny adults. Yeah, they are turned into tiny geniuses and forced to grow up quickly. Right. Which, like... I'm all for nurturing your child's interests and capabilities and pushing them to do more than they might on their own. Don't be a stage mom. But, like, yeah, it's not your job to, like, craft the perfect human being. You don't get to get success through your children. Exactly. You don't get that's that's their success and they get to push themselves as far as they want. And when they say stop, you stop. Right. Okay. I feel like this might be the best way to just start off breaking down this movie. Go for it. Let's just enumerate and discuss Royals parenting sins in like one at a time. Yeah. I feel like that's the easiest way. We should just take it one child at a time. Right, exactly. Let's take it one kid at a time. We've got Richie, who is the tennis player. We've got Margot, who's the playwright. And we've got Chaz, who is the business one. Right. Um, and all of whom are like child prodigies, sort of, in as much as they like have 
you know, like constant coaching and training and right. stuff like that. I mean, I feel like I feel like we should start with Chaz because Chaz, I feel like, is the only one that had a reasonable response to his father coming back into their lives. Right. And is like the one who was clearly like, no, fuck you, you you yeah. fucking bastard. Right. But he and he also seems to be the one who took the took the growing up the forcible growing up message the hardest and the most seriously. He you was. Know? And I feel like he was the tiny businessman and he, you know, has always continued to be that businessman. Whereas like, you know, Margot has sort of Margot and Richie both have sort of collapsed in a way that lets them kind of reclaim some of that like yeah childhood where Chaz just ends up just pushes himself forever forever. yeah yeah he doesn't really know I mean I feel like because he didn't because he wasn't allowed to have a childhood and he had to grow up so fast and was this tiny businessman business boy I like business boy (laughs) because he was this tiny business boy he is struggling to raise his own kids right like he doesn't know how to let them have fun because he wasn't allowed to have right. fun. like and he, it's it's clear that he knows that the way he was raised was toxic oh yeah he is the only one who calls it out for what it is exactly but he also recognizes that he doesn't have another model right and his wife is gone so the only model left is like the fucked up one he learned from Royal. Right. And I think you can like, I feel like he's kind of the easiest character to relate to in that way because of the three kids, he seems like the one who is the most upset. Yeah. About the fucked up shit that happened to them. Yeah. In a way that it almost feels like you want to grab, you know, Margot and Richie, like you almost want to like shake them by the shoulders and be like, be pissed off. Like feel something about this. Yeah. Um, Where Chaz, I'm like a solid section of my notes is just, yeah, I'm with Chaz on this one. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck him. He does not. He has not earned your trust. He has not earned a place in your life. He hasn't spoken to you in three years. Every opportunity that you have given him to be a parent or a good person he has thrown in your face. Like, why would you think that you could trust him now? Right. Like this is the man who stole from Chaz when he was a 14 year old kid. Yeah. You know, who was constantly stealing from him from the business he created. Right. Who taught him not to trust anyone from an early age. Yeah. Who physically assaulted him, who drove him to this point of being an adult by 11 yeah which is not okay i feel like chaz kind of pushed himself in because chaz pushed himself into this tiny business boy he luckily escaped a lot of the emotional abuse that came with being a child of royals Mm -hmm. um because the shit that goes on between royal and margo and royal and richie we will get into yeah i've got some notes but like we don't really see there's never really been a relationship between Chaz and Royal. Right. And I think that's because Chaz did what was expected of him and then like realized how fucked up his father was and was like good riddance. Yeah. Yeah. But also, can we talk about the Dalmatian mice? Because what an idea. Right. That's amazing. What a genius idea. Dalmatian mice. I want to know whose job it was to paint all the little dots on the mice. <laughs> Because I want that job. Because I don't think spotted mice are real. No, I don't think think that's a thing. So somebody had to like dye some mice. I want to be a mouse dyer. That sounds fun. (laughs) Just get to pet the little mice all day. Put little constellations on them. What an idea. And I can really, I could really empathize with his spiral about safety. Yeah. After a plane crash like that. Totally. Everyone surviving but your wife has yeah. got to be. And processing the loss of a spouse while raising children. Jesus. Is gotta be hard as hell. Yeah. But you've gotta process it. Like mm-hmm. your children rely on you to process that. Right. So you can help them process yeah. it. You have to model that behavior for them because you do. they've like they're hurting 
probably more than you are. Even right. Because like, like they lost their mother. Right. And I think it was a really interesting introduction to jazz as an adult of doing the fire drill in the house. Yeah. I think it was a really clever way of doing it and like really showing like how much he's been wrapped up in this. Yeah. And how like, this has become his life. Right. And I, there is one thing Royal says that I don't hate, which the was the whole movie or yeah. <laughs> So there's one thing that Royal says when he is talking about trying to get a relationship with his uh, grandsons, um, which was, uh, you can't raise kids afraid of life. You've got to brew some recklessness into them, which like Royal's brand of recklessness, absolutely not. Yeah. But that idea of you can't shelter your children and you can't have them hold up inside. You need to help them cultivate that sense of wonder and that adventurous spirit and let them be kids. Yeah. And I think as much as like I personally disliked the fact that Royal was kind of forgiven in the end and that he had yeah. that relationship rebuild, which he did end up putting some work into, but not enough in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did like that he helped Chaz loosen up and let his children have some fun for once. Right. And I think that was an interesting I think it was an interesting twist on the relationship that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Yeah. Even you're right. I agree with you that I don't think he deserves redemption in the end. Like, I don't think he deserves forgiveness. Absolutely not. Especially for the shit he pulls when he's trying to live in the house. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that shit is fucking unforgivable. Absolutely. Faking death, faking, faking a terminal illness. So because you lost your house. Yeah. And you are afraid that your wife is marrying a black man. Unforgivable. Absolutely unforgivable. But then also, like, he doesn't, he barely asks for forgiveness. You know? Like, he, yes, he turns around and he starts, like, doing nice things. And, like, he does have a couple of, you know, contrite conversations, especially with his wife about, like, you know, I was being an asshole and, like, I'm sorry. He needs to spend, you know, another 18 months groveling. Yeah. Before I would even look him in his eyes. Yeah. Talking about forgiveness. There's a conversation with Chaz that I feel like we need to dissect because, oh boy, half of my notes are just things that Royal says that we need to like. (laughs) We need to get (laughs) drilled down on. So Royal asks, do you think you can start forgiving me? And Chaz responded, why should I? Because you are hurting me. Yeah. One. You haven't done anything to earn my forgiveness. Two. I don't owe you shit. Right. You do not get to dictate how I feel because of your actions. Right. And just because you are my parent doesn't mean you get to tell me how to feel. No. Your inability to process my emotions and accept my emotions for the actions you've done is not my fault. Right. Your comfort is not more important than my emotions. And, like, just because it's uncomfortable for you to acknowledge and apologize for what you did doesn't mean, like, I'm sorry that you're uncomfortable, but I can't let you off the hook. No. I can't fix it for you. I can't process your feelings for you. And it's fucking childish for you to expect your child to let you off the hook when you haven't done any actual work to show that you've changed. Right. And like making your child who you physically and emotionally abused do the emotional labor to process for you because all of a sudden out of nowhere you want a relationship with them is absolutely not acceptable. But it's like, it's, I mean, it's abusive parent 101. Yeah, it is. It's like, if I never acknowledge that the thing that I did was abuse, then you can't call me out on it and I get to be offended and throw a fit when you remind me that you were abused. You don't get to throw out, I did my best, if your best was abuse. But we should talk about Margot. Yeah. Margot, Margot, Margot. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a lot of discomfort around this character simply because I have a student 
named Margot uh-huh. who looks exactly like Gwyneth Paltrow. Weird. And I just couldn't stop seeing her the entire movie. Like she's got the same exact haircut. She even does the barrette on the side. And I just like couldn't stop hearing her voice when and I just drove me fucking insane. Wow. That. Yeah, that would be maddening. And then you pair it with Bill Murray as her husband with the weird age gap again. And it just skeeved me the fuck out. Yeah, I didn't put the weird age gap thing together with Rushmore, but he definitely has a thing for this weird age gap. Especially because Marga was constantly dressed like a child. Yeah. It's really gross. And I do think we are meant to believe that Margot is sort of seeking a replacement parent figure. Absolutely. In the same way that we've talked about before, like seeking attention and validation. She's not getting it home through like sex and relationships. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's still uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. I also want to spend six hours a day in a tub when I'm depressed. (laughs) Same. So like I can relate. Yeah. And I can imagine the... She had the like whole TV hooked up in there. Oh my That's god, it was fucking perfect. Ugh, just That's smoking and in the bath. I don't know what his deal with is with I don't know what Wes Anderson's deal with cigarettes are, but his movies make me want to smoke so badly. There's so much smoking in this movie. I don't think I, we go two scenes without watching someone smoke a cigarette. And in every single one of his movies, there's some conversation of you should quit smoking. Those will kill you. And but Yet everyone smokes. And everyone smokes. Yeah. This this movie made me want a cigarette real bad. bad. (laughs) I just have this thing about like, you know, you can't push a kid this hard, this much, this often. No, absolutely not. Because, okay, so here's the thing. Like, even if you get a kid to succeed that you've been pushing to succeed since she was five years old... Then what's going to happen is what happens to Margot where she obtains any amount of success and then you stop pushing her and then she has no idea what to do with her life because there's always just been someone behind her with a broom just sweeping her off to the next activity or tutor or audition and she's never actually had a moment to like sit and think what she wants yeah. or what she's interested in. So the moment she stops being pushed, she falls apart. Yeah. I have complicated feelings about Margot's characterization because she is because she is one of two female roles in this movie. Yeah. And she's very, very flat. Yeah. I feel like out of the children, she is just like she's the depressed one. Right. Quote unquote. And like her whole personality is black eyeliner and smoking. Yeah. And it just feels gross. Which again, it feels like it falls into that sort of like man- she's not a manic pixie dream girl. She's like a she's a depressed She's a depressed child doll that you take care of. Yeah. And like But it does. It falls into that same trope of like I can fix her or she will fix me. Right. Especially with her husband, like, she's a fascinating subject. It feels like. That's gross. Yeah. It's super gross. And going through her, like, list of lovers throughout the years felt really gross. Felt really gross. Because, one, there weren't that many. And also, like, we don't do that for anybody else. No, we don't. Like, Richie was a pro tennis player. You think he didn't carve his way through some fucking ladies? Right. Like, it's, it feels just, like, really sexist. It feels really sexist. And, of course, they had to go and throw in, oh, she had a lesbian phase. Because of course. That's, all fu- they, that's all we fucking are is a phase and that you'll get over it. And, of course... If you are a slut, then like... Of course you've slept with a woman. Of course you've slept with a woman because that's all lesbians are is just like sluts with no standards. Right. Barf. I felt like I wanted to like Margot a lot. Like as a child who was depressed and a writer and who also wanted to run away and felt othered from my family. Yeah. Like, I was like, yes, this is something I can relate to. This is something that, like, you can have an interesting growth. Yeah. But the fact that she's just, like, was successful at 12 and did nothing after. Yeah. Feels really... 
yeah. cheap it and feels yeah like lazy if you swap the genders of Margot and Richie everything still works absolutely the story still makes sense and it's a hundred percent less misogynistic yeah it just again it, this is it just feels like these Wes Anderson movies like go out of their way to apologize for abuse and misogyny and ne- and just like never address it or confront it or yeah give consequences no i and it seems to be like a glaring misstep in a lot of wes anderson movies it's like it's not you can hear that fucking wes anderson fan voice going it's it's satire he's pointing a mirror a dark mirror then talk about it exactly like you can't if you just point a mirror at it and you don't talk about it don't do it right like what's the point right like they have that rule on i hate it but i love it which is like if you do a shitty thing and you don't punish a character or call it out, even if it's a joke, you're still doing the shitty thing. Yeah. You're still like, even if it's obvious that the person who's being misogynistic is a bad person, if you never call out the misogyny for what it is, you still just made a misogynist movie. Yeah, exactly. And and boy, does this movie hate women. Oh, boy, does it hate women. It is... It, this movie hates women in a way and like gives them no agency. None. And like, just like all they are are trophies to claim or dolls to protect or take care of. Margot is basically like somebody's, you know, American girl doll that they like dress up and feed diplomas into. Yeah. Eleanor has more characterization than Margot does. Yeah. And she's in the movie less by half. Especially, like, coming from Wes Anderson, who we know can do depression really well and talk about... Uh And shows in this movie that you can do depression really well. Right. Margot just seems like uh, we just wrote this role because we needed another woman in the movie. Yeah. It definitely feels that way. And it really sucks. It really sucks. Because it definitely feels like this movie was written to be three men and then three you know three boy children and then they swapped out the margot character so that they could have a love interest and then when they did that they also took away all the story from the boy character yep yeah because like i just can't imagine purposely writing a script with a woman this boring and not thinking to your and not like actively steepling your fingers and thinking haha i hate sure it is gonna show how much how little i think of women when people see this movie yeah she's really just around as a character to be lusted after yeah yeah and it's gross and that's like basically the function that eleanor serves too right like she's basically in this movie to have a relationship that makes royal mad so that royal will do some crazy shit yeah she's just an object of desire yeah it's really, really gross. And they're literally the only two women. In they this are. Movie. They are literally like, the only women. I don't even like there's maybe like a nurse with one line. Maybe. Maybe. But there's literally two women in this whole movie. Yeah. And then there's Richie, the child tennis prodigy. I don't know. Again, I just feel like this. I don't know. This whole family is just like. A lesson in like why you don't push your kids this hard. But I think especially the obsession with like athletic performance and achievement. That one seems especially weird to me. Yeah. Your your love is not conditional on the state of your child's body. Yeah. That's why it feels gross. Yeah. It's ableist as hell. Yeah. Incredibly. A great example of Richie and Royal's relationship is when they're at the cemetery uh, visiting their grandmother and Chaz's wife. Yeah. And some of the things Royal manages to say to Richie in like the span of a minute is, it's just a shame you choked. You had a few more years. Oof, you could have been playing. Yeah. I had a lot riding on that match personally and financially. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Straight up. Why did you choke? 
What? Yeah. And wow. then followed by, and then owning up to, I kind of left after that, didn't I? And Richie just going, you're not good with disappointment. I understand. Your child. Don't let him off the hook. From a young age, this man has learned that if he messes up, if he is not 100% perfect, if he makes a mistake, then his has a bad day, him. then his dad will not love him. That he is only there to financially help his father. Right. And the kind of pressure and like the kind of pressure that puts on somebody is absolutely enormous and not okay at all. And like you said, the type of like specific physical pressure that it puts on someone to be able to keep playing a game, which is like, and their, your physical body is not necessarily something you can count on forever. Right. You know, it's like, at least with Margot, she gets pushed too hard, but at least having a career, a successful career as a playwright is like a thing you can continue to do. Right. Whereas like Richie could have an tear his ACL plenty of 22 year old you have really one promising athletes tear an ACL and they miss 18 months of training and they're never the same again. And now they're like, now they lose their father's love. They lose all possibility at, at what they deem success because like of a one random accident yeah. of physics. Yeah. It's absolutely not okay. And the pressure that it puts on you to continually to perform physically at 100% will push you into disordered eating, into, you know, obsessive uh, exercise, into steroids, into like a bunch of shit that, you know, is never okay. Yeah. Which is why, like we talk about, we've said this once, we've said it a million times, like emphasize effort over outcome. Like praise kids when they try hard, praise kids when they work hard and they really put their effort into something, not when they win. Margot produced, wrote, produced and performed an entire play for her birthday. What does Royal do? It was just the children in costumes. That bitch worked her ass off. It doesn't have to be the next best piece. Right. Just be proud of her that she put in that much fucking work into something. But Richie might have just been naturally talented and he wins a bunch of tennis games because he happens to be talented. And happens to be the and then gets the most attention. And of course, again, because he's a boy. Yeah. Because he's a male child, he gets all of the attention and praise and again, because Royal is like has this fucked up abuser thing where he has to constantly remind Margot that she's not really his kid because she's adopted. And so she could never really have all of his love and validation anyway. There's a great scene or there's a great moment when Royal is like finally getting kicked out of the house and he turns to Margot and Henry, uh, Eleanor's new boo. And he just goes, he's not your father. And she just replies, neither are you. And I was just like, thank you. Savage. Thank you. You deserve that moment. You, thank you for playing that. You needed to say that. Because like, fuck that. We've got to talk about Richie and Margot's relationship. Yes. Okay. So we we're talking about this off, off air. This whole movie, my like intro to psych professor was screaming in the back of my head like the westermark effect the westermark effect because children who are raised together regardless of whether or not they are related do not experience sexual attraction to each other for the same reason that like you don't experience sexual attraction if your brain is healthy toward you're the parent of the opposite right. sex because your brain just has a way of like carving out people that you interact with at home every day and saying these people are not romantic interests. Right. So anyway, the odds that both of them would feel this way. I call bullshit is basically zero. Also like because both and both of these kids have incredibly disordered brains. Oh, absolutely. Granted, given that they're like history of abuse, like I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to say that they don't have some, you know, 
PTSD. They got some or, shit going or on. Whatever going on. Why? What is the point? What like? Do you think like? Why? Why they are siblings? It is not funny or quirky or romantic or the whole "it's always been you" bullshit is just it's gross. gross. I'm sorry. I like. I'm. I'm not sorry. It's gross, and it made my skin feel gross, and it made me want to take a shower, and I just scream like a third of my notes is just going. She's your sister. She's your fucking sister. Again. It's one of these things where it's not pointed at. It's never discussed. Like and it's, people say, like Royal says, like, you know, isn't this right? He right. confesses to someone and yeah. they're like, don't you think this is weird? Like, she's your sister. They were raised. You were raised together or whatever. And then he brings up the like, oh, well, she's adopted. But it's like, but you were still, still raised, raised together. together. You still like. You know, helped her take a bath when she was a toddler. You know, like, this is what happens when we don't talk about different types of relationships. Right. Because you know what you probably are? You probably are love her like a sister, but you don't know how to have a platonic relationship that cares that much. Right. Because you were obviously never taught. Right. So you only construe it through a romantic lens. Right. And I'm probably... Because my sort of like armchair theory is that these two kids got kind of the brunt of the pushing and abuse because it's clear that Chaz adapted faster. Yeah. And so I think they you're right. I think they banded together as children to support each other. And to love each other in a situation in which they were not getting love from where they should. And you're right. I think it's just displaced like. This is the only person in the world I feel like I can be safe and comfortable around because we basically raised each other. You you survived together. We sur- right, exactly. You, you trauma they bonded. They trauma bonded, right? Yeah. They don't love each other. Which is, they trauma bonded. Trauma trauma bonds are huge and they will always have a big impact on your life and those bonds can be they can be intense and they But like how much better is this movie if Richie confesses to Margot and Margot says, has this conversation with him. Right. And says, look, we went through some shit as kids. We had to be there for each other when no one was there for us. I love you so much. This is not what that is. How much? This is a trauma bond. You need to understand the difference between intense platonic familial love and romantic Romantic love. love. How much better would this movie be if Richie is in love with Eli, who's fucking Margot? <laughs> that is amazing. Because, like, we got to talk about Eli, too, because he's he's one of the kids. He ends yeah, up being like right. or he inserts himself in the family. That is true. Genuinely, when it started, that is what I thought the situation was. Is, I did, too. Is that Richie was in love with Eli. And that's why he got so weird about the Eli and Margot thing. Yeah, that's what my theory was too. That would have made way more sense. Right. Because like even though he was around, like he wasn't actually He wasn't raised with you. He was just over a lot. Right. Like you That know, would make way more sense. You, we hear story like you fall in love with your neighborhood best friend all the time. Yeah. We use it in all the time in tropes and it's not gross. Yeah. If your sister Your sister Your that's sister. Gross. Poor Eli just wants to be loved and have attention. I know. Like. Poor Eli. Sending Eleanor his grades and his (sighs) press clippings. Yeah. He just wants to be part of the family so bad. Yeah. And And to the point where like he. I, I kind of get the impression that like that is part of hooking up with Margot yeah, for him absolutely. is just like, it's another way for him to be in the family more. Absolutely. Which again, it's just like, it's so sad. And again, it gets back to the neglect of upper class families. Oh, he was an upper class. Oh, right. He slept on a couch across the street on his aunt's. That's right. His aunt's that's apartment. right. Yeah. I, I, that's he right. just want like, and to have this, Friends that are incredibly wealthy. Incredibly wealthy. And, you know, whose parents 
at least in Eleanor's, like they don't necessarily, they might not be doing it in a healthy way, but they are showing attention to them. Yeah. Of course, Eli wants to be part of that. Of course, yeah. Um, but, you know, he's also, we can talk about his incredibly racist portrayals of uh, Native people and Yikes. the Wild West aesthetic that he's doing. Yeah. It, oh, this movie is racist and does not hide it. Yeah. And I think there's like a little bit of a nod at it when he's in the when he's in the interview about his newest book. Yeah. And the interviewer kind of like throws him a bit of a like hard question about like don't you think this is like a little a little much? I, I forget what the word yeah, I he do too. uses is, but but then yeah, we see that like he, like the rest of the Tenenbaum kids, has no ability to handle rejection. Absolutely not. Or because, like, he's never... He's never, like... Been he, supported or... No, right. Yeah. And he's also high as fuck during the interview. Right. There's that, too. Yeah. You know, you want attention and you can't get it? Turn to drugs. I, I can relate. <laughs> Before we talk about Royals... Issues with Henry. Uh-huh. I want to take a moment to just talk about how adorable and supportive Eleanor and Henry's relationship is. It's amazing. It's incredible. Henry seems like the most loving, giving, charitable person to be in a relationship like, you could possibly ask if for. If you weren't sure about it, like if she, like, because we can tell that she's been on edge. And I feel like the moment she knew that she was going to say yes to him and the moment I was like, you need to say yes to this man was when we're in the hospital after um, Richie's suicide attempt, which we will talk about in a minute. Um, and Henry just shows up looks at Eleanor and it's just, how can I help? Yeah. Not even like, not making it about him, not making it like specifically about Richie. Like just what, what do you do, need What do you me? need right now yeah. in this moment? And it just like made my heart melt. Yeah. That's what you want in a partner. Right. And he's like always talking, like he is so in love with her. Yeah. And it's just, and I love how like she was like on she was able to be really honest and be like I'm just really nervous because I haven't been with a man in 18 years yeah and he just is like not doesn't tease her about it doesn't give her shit about it no. just gives her this look that just melted me and I was just like it made me really happy to have at least one actually good relationship yeah. in this movie and yeah. I needed to be said before we and it really shows the like contrast between how Henry views her and how Royal does yes. like Royal again, very much views her as like a trophy or an achievement where Henry is just like, obviously so head over heels in love with the person that this woman yeah, is. Absolutely. I just want to make sure I read this whole situation correctly. Royal decides to fake a terminal illness, uh -huh. not just because he is houseless and needs a place to live, right. not because he misses her, not because he loves her still, right. wants to win his wife back from the first black man she is dating. Yeah. It's like his motivation in this movie is explicitly racist. It's so explicit. And like he is constantly trying to throw slang at Henry and yeah. calls him a black stud at some point. Yeah, it's just really gross. Really gross. And just like... And then there's a scene where he's he's like calling him Coltrane. Yeah. Barf. Yeah. yeah and like, and then really it's never disgusting. talked about. No. Again, we have like, you're doing a shitty thing, but you don't talk about the shitty thing. So you're just doing a shitty thing. Right. Exactly. You're not pun. You're not punishing your shitty character for being shitty. You're just making all the characters around him just like roll their eyes and go on with their day. The closest you get is to like somebody needs to slap Royal in his fucking mouth. Right. After all this shit, like this dude should have got popped a, a bunch of different times. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He should not have been allowed back in that house. No. In the first place. But like, I, I get it. Like I get Richie's like defense of him and like yeah. having like being the chosen child for Royal and right. having that connection and being the special one. Right. He's always going to defend his dad because yeah. he was the one who had a quote unquote better relationship with him. Yeah. 
and I get, but like, fuck the moment that Richie was like, he's upstairs and you opened up the door and he was like in a hospital bed with some fake equipment. I just like a fucking doctor. Like he did the whole thing. Yeah. The level of deception. Truly insane. Absolutely insane. And like, Anytime you pull off any kind of manipulation, especially something so grand as this, you're going to get caught. Yeah, that's what I I one of my first notes is like, what is your end game here? Bud? Right. There is none. It's like, what's the best case scenario for you? You're supposed to die in six weeks. Yeah. What happens so in what, week seven? Right. And then week seven, you have like a miraculous remission and. Then they're going to ask you to move out of the house. Like, what the fuck is your plan, guy? Yeah. He doesn't have one. He doesn't have one. He just wants attention, and his he feels like his family is threatened and right. goes fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, he feels like a, a possession of his. I feel like he looks at Eleanor like a thing he owns. Absolutely. He's afraid of, of having his fucking TV stolen by a black man. He even says it out loud. Are you stealing my woman? Are you yeah. trying to steal her? Which one? She kicked you out decades ago. Yeah. Like, you have no claim to her. No. Just because you have not legally been divorced yet does not mean she is still your wife. Yeah, that's, that's an extra knock against you. Not like a... You know, a saving grace. Also, did you pull this shit when she was dating other men? Because we see the list of her other and lovers. And it doesn't seem like any of that was ever a problem. No, it seems specifically because it's a black man that yeah. you are going batshit crazy. Yeah. I do like that this movie is is pretty adept at showing the kind of like mundane acceleration of suicidal ideation. Yeah. You know, where at Absolutely. first it's just like a passing thought, like, oh, I think I might kill myself. And then it's like, I'm going to kill myself. And then it's like, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. You know, it's like it doesn't even people think that it's like you just have like a bad day and then suddenly you grab a gun when it's it's not that at all. It's a snowball. It's a snowball. Rolling and down it's a not hill. it's I feel like the other trope we get in suicides is some grand plan like you took weeks to yeah. plan it you took time to figure out what to say in your right. note where he obviously didn't he do did. any of that no and in my personal experience with my attempts they were always impulse it wasn't yeah. an active i want to die it was just i need to escape right I feel like that's what happens here because, yeah. like, we start off by cutting his hair, which you know you're in a good place when right. you're cutting off you all cut your off hair. Cut off all your hair, yeah. Um, and it just spirals down as you like you're cutting your hair and you're shaving, and you just like get like that thought just keeps coming back, and right. like he doesn't even make it to tomorrow because it's that impulse of like, right. that in- thought of just like do it now. Right. Do it now. Like, just do it. Yeah, it's it's exactly an impulse thing. It's like, I'm going to do this tomorrow, and then suddenly, like, there's a razor blade in his hands. Yeah. It's like, that's, it, that's exactly Which is how the- it happens is, I mean, especially for me, I do always have that, like, low Constantly. level of, like, you should kill yourself, you should kill yourself, you should kill yourself. And, like, it's better and worse... But it's always there. And you're right. Sometimes there'll just be a bad day where I'm like, I just don't want to be around for a while. I just and that's need when a it's break. Like, Hello. Friend. Yeah. Cause like <sighs> there's always that voice in the back of your head. And like at least uh, between us, I know this is true for the two of us. Yeah. Where like some days you can ignore it. Some days you're like, it's white noise and it's yeah. whatever. And you can move on with your day. Uh-huh. Some days it's so loud that it's, oh, my bus, I missed my bus. I got to yeah. kill myself. Yeah, right. Um, and some days it's the only thing you can hear. Yeah. And it kind of low-key pissed me off that we have this incredible example of depression and mental illness and yeah. how it works compared to how traumatized the other kids are. Right. And how bullshit they are and how like forgiving they are and how not 
nuanced they are. Yeah. When we clearly have the ability to be nuanced and show how devastating right. this man has been into his life and right. how... We just haven't really tried with the rest of the characters. No. But, like, I... You, you had warned me. I hadn't seen this movie... Um, this is one that I had I seen it I didn't remember it at least and you had watched it before me and warned me thank thank you again for uh-huh. doing that because um, I was not warned and it took me by surprise yeah and, and it ruined my day <laughs> frankly and especially the way he tried to kill himself is really triggering for me so that yeah. was like a really a warning I definitely needed uh, it was, I was also having a bad day when I watched it so it was not helpful I, oh, I was warned about it happening, and I clocked the wrong character. Oh. I assumed it was going to be Bill Murray's character. Oh, that makes sense. Because of the way. And then to see Richie spiral, because first his dad, like his dad, who he loved and yeah. who had a solid relationship with who he understood right. and who he thought was rebuilding this relationship with suddenly betrays him, betrays uh-huh. his trust right. and turns out to be a complete asshole, right. which is earth shattering to him. Totally. And then to have the trigger of finding out that Eli is sleeping with Margot, yeah. which is a whole nother th- right. like, and just having those like, and that's what it is. It's not, you know, it's that snowball of one bad thing has you starting off, and then with each bad thing, right. it gets louder and louder exactly. and louder, and it just until you just can't hear anything anymore, and you just want to do it just to make you just it want it stop. to be quiet. Yeah, exactly. It's not even about being gone. It's, it's about just about not hearing, hearing the voice anymore. anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's interesting you say that about um, like that he's capable of nuance because I wrote. I think it's really interesting that. Wes Anderson could include so many characters in this movie without any of them feeling like they have any real depth or authenticity. They seem so flat. And I think this might get to the heart of like kind of the thing that bothers me about Wes Anderson movies is that everyone is doing this like really flat affect. Yeah. And I, a probably autistic person have trouble reading human emotions anyway and so when you take them away when you make them even more subtle it's like i'm totally fucking lost i cannot relate to any of these people i yeah it i feel like this is a lot of like this is a problem with a lot of his movies yeah is like he everyone is so flat everyone is so flat because he you can really tell that he does a lot of like he's got a lot of influence and I think we talked about this in the last episode about how he's got a lot of influence from like children's books and Uh like um, children's authors which like a lot of characters in children's books are one dimensional but they're exaggerated because they're for children right but he missed the exaggerated he missed the exaggeration part or he thinks he's exaggerating but he's not but he's not and he's so good with nuance yeah, Which when is, he tr- when he tries, when he does it. It's so good, but he doesn't do it for most of the movies. Yeah. There's a scene in each movie where you go, this could have been an this amazing... This should be the movie. Right. And then you're stuck with flat tone and no expression on faces and feels... Owen Wilson. Well, he and the Wilsons have basically been writing together since... Since the beginning. They wrote Bottle Rocket right. together. They wrote Rushmore together. And he's probably traumatized and doesn't want to make new friends. So, yeah. Because, like, he works with the same actors all the time. Like, yeah. there's no variation. And all of them are white. All of the ones that reoccur. Yeah. Like, yeah, all the, there, yeah, there are movies of his that have, like, principal actors who are people of color. But, yeah, they're not recurring actors. All his recurring actors are white. Yeah, and mostly men. Yeah. If you can get past all of the, like, horrificness, like, if you're not watching this movie the way we watch movies, this movie's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many good, like, subtle, dry jokes in this movie. The the script is phenomenal. It's, yeah. Between, like, the dry humor and the joke, like, and some of the other witty lines, and how deep and how hard Royal can cut down his kids in a single line yeah. is fucking brilliant. It's really brilliant. And like 
the fact that I hate Royal Tenenbaum so much is a testament to right. like how well his character is written. Exactly. Which is why I'm pissed off that none of the other that characters. Nobody else is. Yeah. Yeah. Although like this is another movie where you could read this as this is we're getting all of this from Royal's perspective. You could. Which and I think you a person could argue that Royal sees his children as an extension of himself. You could. Which sort of makes the title of the movie make sense. Like Royal Tenenbaums, yep. like they are him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the movie does not broadcast that. It doesn't show that in any way. You know, like again with Rushmore, it's like I that movie makes a lot more sense to me if it's from the perspective of Max Fisher in the same way that this movie makes a lot more sense to me if we're watching it through the eyes of Royal Tenenbaum. But that is never explained or made explicit to us. No, it's not. Because then it would make sense that Royal is the only one who's fleshed out and everyone else is like kind right. of flat and one dimensional because Royal is so self-centered that he is the only person in his universe. Right. And that he can't see anyone else as a real human. I feel like a lot of these scripts were written from a first person point of view in Rushmore. It was Max in this one. It was Royal. And then someone came in and were like, no, you need to branch it out. Yeah. And like spread it out or something. And it made it worse. And it made it so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a version of this movie that you do it from Royal's perspective and even maybe just like switch out the voice, the Alec Baldwin voiceover for Royal doing the voiceover saying like, this is, you know, my fucking ungrateful kids. I did all this shit for them and still they, you know, yada, yada, yada. Immediately, this movie makes more sense. Absolutely. 100% this movie makes more sense. So much more sense. And I feel like the characterization makes more sense. The plot line would make more sense. And like the sympathy and lack of consequences would make more sense. So much more sense. Right. Because, of course, in his own retelling, he's going to downplay any consequences and play up the sympathy and forgiveness part. Absolutely. To make himself seem like a better guy. It just feels like as clever as they are, I feel like a lot of Wes Anderson scripts are first drafts. Yeah, they definitely feel that way. And it really annoys me. Yeah. Do you want to do a lightning round? Let's do a lightning round. My very first note in this movie is, yeah, definitely no way uh, any amount of anxiety is going to come from all the pressure of turning your all your children into baby geniuses from the time they're born. These kids are going to be mentally stable as fuck. Everything's going to be great. Why is it that every time, like, you can be a full-grown-ass adult and, like, be solid in every way, but the moment your parents come back into your life or are visiting, you revert back to a fucking child. I, yeah. It's this like weird evil power that parents have to like as soon as you're in the room, they can like turn you 16 again. Yeah, it's maddening. It drives me crazy. Like I am a 27 year old adult. Please let me be one while you are around. This is another movie following on Rushmore where I do not think we need to be humanizing the stories of the extremely rich. No. I frankly, if I never saw a movie about an extremely wealthy family ever again, it would be, a, I would live a better life. I don't give a shit about I the I don't wealthy. give a shit about your struggles. I don't care how hard you think your life is. I don't care how bad you are to your kids because there are people who are surviving on starvation wages who are twice the parents that you are, get fucked. You have every chance and opportunity and resource at your fingertips to be a good parent, and you fucking squandered it. I have less than no sympathy for you. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the color of the hallway, that pink... Uh-huh. needs to be called Wes Anderson pink because Jeez. that is the color that I think of when I think of Wes Anderson it's movies. Every one of his movies, yeah. Especially as they go on, he picks like five colors and every movie is just in the same five like colors. So I feel like this was really our first look at what a Wes Anderson movie is. Yeah. Like this is really like where he got to put his vision to it. Uh-huh. And like... I hate 
the movies, but I love the aesthetic. Yeah, they're and beautiful. They're beautiful. His use of music is incredible, uh, or use of sound in general yeah. is incredible. The connection from the like the how thoroughly his production is thought through from the artwork to the walls to the flowers on uh-huh. the table is incredible and yeah. as someone who does as someone who did production design like it's my beautiful. it's beautiful yeah. and i as much as i hate his scripts i love his aesthetic but i have a note in here that's like watching a wes anderson film is like going to an art museum it really is it's like it's beautiful and it's nice to look at but what the fuck are we doing here <laughs> Where are we going? What is the point? Yeah. Where are we ending? Why do I care? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I would get more out of every single Wes Anderson movie if I just like put it in a language I don't speak with no subtitles. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Because you need the music. You can't put it on mute. But yeah, if if you just like put it in Finnish with the subtitles off... I would enjoy every Wes Anderson movie a hundred times more because I'd be like, wow, this is beautiful. Cool music drop. Beautiful. There's a scene where when Royal is like trying to get back in the, you know, trying to get a relationship with everyone again, Mm -hmm. where he takes Chaz's kids without his permission. I got so mad. I was like, I. there are very few situations in which I will call the cops. But this is one of them. If you take my kids, I'm going to call the cops. You are kidnapping, sir. Yeah, like you cannot go around a parent's wishes to go directly to the kids. Because like, A, number one, that's like abusive bullshit yeah. to like try and poison the kids against their parent. And B, it's fucking kidnapping. You do not get to create a relationship with your grandsons if you do not have a good relationship with your son. No, you're not entitled to a relationship with your grandchildren. Absolutely not. Especially, especially if you are shitty to your children. Yeah. Why would your children trust you to have a good, positive relationship with your grandchildren if you can't even have a good, positive relationship with your actual children? Okay. (laughs) This is not about my mother. (laughs) Any more than everything on the show is about my mother. Ouch. Correct, though. But ouch. It's real rich that Royal was calling Margot out for cheating when he is the one who, like, was the cheating in the first place. Yeah. Like, just that scene, I feel like, summarized Royal's personality in a yeah. heartbeat. And again, this thing about how, like, adult, like, privileged white men can't even imagine a situation in which they'd be held accountable for their actions, but they have to make sure everyone around them is reminded of every mistake they've ever made. Okay, so I get that you used to be able to smoke inside places, which again, like, this is another Wes Anderson movie that's, like, weirdly set in, like, 1945 yeah. somehow. Um, But a hospital? Right! In the hospital? Right! There's no way. I mean, I guess I understand intellectually that there must have been a point at which you were allowed to smoke inside a hospital. But come on. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I would also run away from my family if I had was in the hospital for suicide attempts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like same, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. It I agree with Richie. Run. Yeah, run. But on the other hand, they definitely won't let you check yourself no, out. They um, will not. I would have done the inside I don't want of seventy two hours no, if you try and kill yourself. It's the I get no visitors. Yeah. No one is allowed in here. There's a scene in this movie where I don't remember some sort of party or something happening. And there's a string quintet. Yeah, it's the wedding. Yes, it's the wet. Right. It's the wedding. So there's five string players in this band. There's a cello, a viola, two violins and a mandolin. Yeah. Did you really need three soprano instruments in your five piece arrangement? You couldn't have picked another alto instrument or another bass instrument to try and like round out. Nope. got to make sure we get all, all those high harmonies. Ooh. Weird. I just thought that was strange. Like I love that. Look as a mando player, I love to see a mandolin represented in media. It's just like, 
That was really your pick for your fifth instrument, your quintet? Whatever. It's quirky. I would have just thrown another viola in there. Right, I would too. I'm a big fan of the viola. Love the viola. At one point, Chaz pulls Royal into this giant closet that is stacked with board games. Yeah. I want that closet. I know. Yeah. I was drooling. (laughs) Even though they're all like hokey old like Hasbro Parker Brothers board games. but But still. Still. I want a closet full of board games. This is another movie that like shows that Wes Anderson is definitely depressed. Oh, yeah. He because is. he is so good at portraying like not just in particular characters, but in the general tone of this movie, just like that kind of deep like we were talking about that, like daily trudging depression the kind that you just you wake up depressed and you go to work depressed and you keep living your life depressed this boy needs therapy yeah so badly Wes Anderson you're you can afford it get a good therapist I love dogs all dogs dogs are great Dalmatians are not good dogs fuck Dalmatians Disney lied to you Dalmatians are not good dogs (laughs) 